0: Hey, what up, five fans? Welcome back to the Bay Area Combat Podcast. We're dope. We're in the Suncoast Onion Studio, and we got the Dragon House crew in the building. Not the whole crew, but a couple of their star athletes. They've been there for for years and years now. I remember on my first Dragon House fight, I ran into a couple of these guys in in, in there, and their pictures are up on the wall. We're going to get to them in a second, but real quick, I want to talk about the jiu-jitsu tournament that we're going to do at the end of this month, guys. It's going to be May 30th. You can uh, can watch it live at bayareacombat.com. And um, it's going to be dope, man. There's no registration fees for these athletes. There's going to be cash prizes for first and second place. We have a 165-pound and under open division and then a 200-pound and under open division. We actually have one of the athletes competing in that uh, 165 pound and under division with us today. We got Juma Muhammad with us today. Uh, I'm gonna introduce him in a second too. We also got David Solorzano here with us today and uh, I'm gonna bring them in too, man. If you guys ever wanna inquire about renting the Suncoast Audience Studio, please reach out to us. We're renting it. We'll. Uh, it comes with their sound man extraordinaire, Carl Compton. We got Carl Compton in the building with us today. You can find Bay Area Combat. We're going to the Triumphant 11 card on June 12th. That's going to be in Miami. And then I'm actually going to compete with some of my athletes and Team Smash at the TBAs in Iowa uh, that week of like the June 16th through the 21st. So uh, Bay Area Combat is going to be out there as well. We're going to be doing some broadcasting, so stay tuned from that. Um, Amateur fighter Dragon House, uh, Juma Muhammad, how are you doing today, man? Awesome, Hell yeah, bro. Thanks for coming in. You're going to be doing that jujitsu tournament, bro. Um, are you training for that thing? Of course, hell yeah, baby. Then we actually got professional fighter David Solorzano. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, my man. Hell yeah, bro. Thank you so much for coming in, dude. Um, uh, uh, I know that the San Francisco area is try- hard to get out of, but uh, Martinez is, uh, is relatively close to you guys at Dragon House, you know. Hey, so. no
1: complaints, just a short little drive. So you mm-hmm.
0: Hell yeah, baby. Thank you guys so much for coming, dude. So, uh, did you guys catch uh, the UFC fights last night?
1: Yeah, no, nah, I didn't. You didn't catch the ones. Didn't. I was with my siblings last night. That's why we had a little thing
0: going. Dude, my girl got a fire stick, so like we're able to. I think it's hacked or something, dude, because we're getting all those fights now, and it's you got the, it unlocked. It's the yeah, somehow it got unlocked or something, bro. You know, mm-hmm. my girl can wiggle all those little things around, dude. She gets that thing unlocked. Um, I was, dude. I'm a Tony Ferguson fan. I wanted to see. I wanted to see. I wanted to see his comeback. How did you feel about that fight?
2: So, how I felt initially watching it, like I really wanted Tony to win. I'm not gonna lie, I did. Because I have no idea who Benil Darush was. Mm-hmm. Um, that's me keeping it a bug. And also, like, I want to see Tony Ferguson, like, hopefully fight for the belt.
0: Yeah. Because,
2: like, he's, he is one of the main guys in the UFC in the lightweight division where he went on a 12-fight win streak. And he hasn't gotten that title shot, like a legitimate one. But now, because of timing and just everything, it didn't work in his favor. But overall, what I thought about the fight is, um, like, Benil Darush, like, he's just bigger than him. Like, it's hard for him to compete, like, physically with him. Mm-hmm. Technically, I felt like they were on the same level, but it's just physically he, he just had a bigger presence. Like, bigger frame by, like, maybe another 5 to 10 pounds, but his shoulders were huge. Like, if you look at Tony, he's not a small, lightweight either. But he's, like, a little bit above average versus Benil Darouch. Like, if you looked at him at weigh-ins versus mm. day of the fight, two different people. Yeah. Versus Tony, like, his face just isn't sucked in anymore, and he has a six-pack. Yeah. And, like, if you just look at the frames, like, Benil Darouche, like, he's just naturally bigger. And he didn't really have to work for the takedowns. Like, if you saw the fight, he just kind of threw him over. Like, no chain wrestling, no nothing. He didn't shoot. He get this takedown stuff, and then he shoots again. Like, no, it was, like, one shot, push his hips in, toss him over, done. And Tony just didn't have an answer
0: for him. Tony almost looked like he was, like, scared of the striking exchanges as well. He was, like, backing up, putting his back on the cage. Um, I don't know, maybe if he had, like, an injury or something before the fight that he didn't want to uh, uh, get rocked, crazy, vicious. But, uh, but Dariush, he, he fucking hits hard, bro. I didn't realize how good of a grappler he was because he's just been knocking everybody out viciously. So, I mean, I guess it is what it is. How How'd you feel about the main event?
2: Oh, the Chandler versus Oliveira fight. Okay, yeah. so Oliveira won the first two minutes. Nobody Nobody can take that away from him, but that last three minutes... Anybody who watched the fight knows what I'm talking about. Dude, Michael Chandler reversed the back take or an armbar, and then he started ground and pounding him and cutting him up with elbows and stuff. Like, if you look at that round, like, like in my p- opinion, that was a 10-9 round going towards Chandler
0: because mm-hmm.
2: he had more cage control, more cage, just everything in that three minutes than what Oliveira was doing in two. Oliveira, he did take his back and, like, almost choke him out, but, like, he didn't finish it. And then for the last three minutes of the round, it's just Michael Chandler ground and pounding him. And then you go into the second round, like these guys are done filling each other out. They both understand the range and everything. And then you just see like Michael Chandler, like just go in and try to finish it. Mm -hmm. And he got caught with like a check hook and then that clipped him. And that was the beginning of the end. But like one of my biggest critiques of Michael Chandler, I'm a huge Michael Chandler fan. I wanted him to become the UFC world champion. Yeah, Like, I wanted that to happen, but it didn't. But looking back on it, like, if you just look at his fighting style, like, a lot of the punches that he throws, it's, like, all 100%. He doesn't have very technical striking in terms of being able to, like, piece together certain combinations at, like, different percentage powers. So it's, like, some strikers, like, once they get to a certain level, like Solo, like, he knows exactly what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. because he's a very seasoned striker. Like, being able to pick your shots between... 70 to 100% in between the fight, like you double jab at 70 and then you throw a straight at 80 and then you throw a head kick at 100%. -hmm. Like even the volume and the range that you throw strikes sometimes really matters. And Michael Chandler, I didn't feel like he had that option to use against Oliveira versus if you look at Oliveira striking, very measured, like literally like he feels so comfortable striking with him. You saw him post on his shoulder and grab his
1: head.
0: yeah,
2: And then push him back, boom, popped him a little bit and then just kept on moving around. Like overall, in terms of their striking, I think Oliveira was more technical because he always has that option in his back pocket to be able to choose what kind of volume striking he wants to lay on. It's like that Nate Diaz style of boxing where like it's just so much volume, but not a lot of power, right? To where eventually you go like, oh, I'll take two shots to get one, then it turns into three shots, then it turns into four shots, and then it turns into you not returning at all. But it's laying on that volume, except Oliveira does it better 'Cause he's able to do the volume and choose how hard he hits you in between. Yeah.
0: And I, I was always told it's the shots that land clean that do the most damage, whether they're a hundred percent or not. Like a hundred percent shot that uh that ricochets off your head won't do as much damage as a fifty percent shot that lands like clean, you know? And, and it nicks you right in the temple. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. I uh I liked Olivera jumping out of the cage and bleeding on Dana White. Did you see when he bled oh, on Oh, yeah, there? yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There was like a stream of blood going down Dana White's face.
0: <laughs> I loved seeing that. I'm sure it's not the first time Dana White's been bled on. And the guys have all their medicals and stuff. But it was fun to see uh, some blood on, da- on Dana White's head. Um, Ray got his arm broke. Did you see that? When no, was-
2: I did not see all the prelims and other stuff. I just saw the two main event cards.
0: Oh, dude, it was disgusting. Really? He didn't even, like, yeah, he didn't even tap. He just, like... Fuck! He just let his arm break. Isn't he,
1: he in like his forties?
0: He was acting like it didn't even hurt. The doctor was like, "Yeah, it's it's broken," and he just was like, "Fuck!"
1: It's probably not his first time. You feel me? Man? I think that's one.
0: Well, no, I guess it's not. I guess he's had his arm his arm broke a couple times.
1: So he's probably used to it then. So he's like, yeah, oh, "Excuse my language," was fuck it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, David, they call you uh, the porn star, huh? Dare I ask how you got that nickname, or?
1: I don't know. Seafood just gave him the nickname because he was like, "There's too many killers. There's this, that, here, another. Let's just be original." The porn star, because because when I shave my head and have just a beard, I kind of do look like one a little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then when he's naked, he looks like one too. You know. What I'm <laughs> <laughs> hey Juma, what do they call you again? You're the uh, you're the Tiger Balm. Huh? Yes. How yes. did you how did you get that one? So
2: before training, I would always like rub down my body with Tiger Balm. <laughs> and like I did that because um, when I was 17 years old, I went into the doctors and they basically told me at the rate that I was gaining weight, I was going to die if I didn't lose weight. I would die by the time I'm 32. Yeah. And at that point in time, I think I was like 292.
0: Damn.
2: So I was almost 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. And that was a reality check for me. And I'm a 17 year old kid, I just graduated high school. Yeah. So then I take that time to like reassess and really figure things mm-hmm. out right. And then I take like three or four months to myself and I finish my first college semester. I just turned 18. So then after that, this is pre-Dragon House too. So I decide to go to Indonesia and go learn Muay Thai because it's a relatively cheap country to live in. And it's also a Muslim country too, so I'm Muslim. So like I agree with a lot, of, a lot of the political backgrounds of it. And then on top of that, like, I was also in the basketball heavy at the time. So I just went over there to go hoop because Indonesia is known for hooping more than anything else. But I also wanted to learn like a combat sport. I was just curious. I didn't know that it would lead me somewhere. Yeah, Yeah. So I was doing Muay Thai twice a day and then hooping during the afternoons to like really cut weight. And over that month and a half long trip, I also went to Malaysia during that time and met a whole bunch of like Egyptian homies and just different people all across the planet. And I just lived out there by myself. And I had a friend where I asked him to come out, and literally, like, he flew out in less than, like, 72 hours. Like, I asked him, like, hey, dude, you want to travel with me? I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, I'll, I'll be there say less. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he ordered his ticket, sent me the confirmation number and everything, and he was there. Boom. And then we traveled together for the rest of that trip. But I was there by myself for, like, a week and a half, two weeks. Mm-hmm. But I took that time to myself to really just focus on my life. So I went from weighing like 292 to, by the time I got back to the States after living there, I was like 230 to 220, 220, like pushing it 218. Mm -hmm. So then I started getting into long distance running, like marathon running and Olympic weightlifting. And I started doing that at City College, um, City College of San Francisco. So then I started doing that. And then eventually I got down to like 205 to like 208 But that was as far as I could take myself. And then I ended up running into my homie, Woodrow Parker, and he introduced me to Dragon House. I came in on like a slow day, right? I came in on like a Tuesday afternoon where the fighters aren't even training. Mm -hmm. And then I just went like, oh, I don't know, man. Maybe it's not for me, you know? Like, it wasn't my speed, like, I don't know. And then he went like, dude, come back on like a Wednesday. And I came back on a kickboxing night and I remember I trained with um, one of our old school fighters, Ildar. He's um, he's a Russian guy, so awesome. I love him. Mm-hmm. And he was manhandling me like I'm like a five foot eight and a half, freaking two hundred and something pound kid, and he's just throwing me around. And he's a college wrestler. And then I was mm-hmm. like, man, dude, like that's crazy. I've never had somebody mangle me like that. And then my boy, he's a hundred and like twenty five to hundred and thirty two pounds, soaking wet when we're 18 years old and he's choking me out and arm barring me and triangling (laughs) me. And I'm like 200 something pounds at the time. I'm like, bro, how is this possible? This shouldn't be humanly possible for somebody this small to terrorize me and there's nothing that I can do about it. Mm. So then I fell in love with jujitsu. So then I started training jujitsu every single day that we had jujitsu. And then I would also teach the kids class too simultaneously because I talked to my coach and then I started staying during like, the striking nights with these guys. And then after that, like, dude, like, the level of grit and the intensity of my workouts just kept on going up and up and up to where like, my body isn't very conditioned at that point in time.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: my solution was I'm gonna rub down my body with Tiger Balm so that I don't feel anything. Your
0: whole, your whole body?
2: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was potent. It, was, it was, I would rub
2: my neck
0: all the way down to my feet. And, and, his, and his groin. Exactly. Ladies. Yeah, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't care about that burn. <laughs> so then I do
2: that, and then, like, my body goes totally numb, so I'm able to keep up physically with everybody because physically I was strong enough to, but that endurance factor when it comes to MMA-style working out, like, we all know, like, if you've, if you've done an actual MMA-style training, for a fight, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like that's a certain level of muscle endurance that you can't fake the funk. Like it's either you have it or you don't. And at the time I didn't, so I synthetically got it by rubbing down my body with Tiger Bomb. (laughs) And then I started developing like a really strong leg kick. And like anybody who's ever fought me, if they'll remember one thing about me, it's that I have a vicious, mean leg kick. Mm -hmm. Like anybody who's ever gotten kicked by me, I've seen their face sink in because they went like, oh, hell no. Like, no, uh-uh. I remember when I fought for a belt, I won that belt via armbar, but I leg kicked that dude so hard because he was a bigger guy. He was like six foot one, six foot two. Mm-hmm. And he tried to step in on me and like try to rush me. And I remember I leg kicked him so hard, he spun around in like a 720. And then you, you just heard the whole crowd just go silent and all you hear is a, and then the whole crowd went silent. They were cheering, and then at that moment, the dude, like, he, like, backed up because he went, like, oh, hell no.
0: Was it his hometown or something? Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Like, Ugh. he didn't dominate a single second of that match. And the moment he, like, fought for underhooks and reversed the position, the whole crowd would go crazy, and then I'd take him down. Yeah. So, like, that's how I got my nickname. But then um, the bomb part was that I was so explosive kicking the heavy bag that I would just literally do, like, leg kicks for, like, 30 minutes straight and my coach he went like dude that's so loud but your kicks are so explosive that'll be your nickname the tiger bomb and then he went like no because then that's like the stuff that you use you'll be the tiger bomb and then i was like oh snap you see because i didn't want to give myself like a nickname i wanted
1: it to be an organic one yeah, yeah of course so then yeah. that's how it ended up happening
0: dope dude no that's sick do you remember juma when he came in
1: yeah i do remember he was just a energetic little kid based not a little kid but you know just just excited to train that's it but now he's just a mature veteran now i respect it
0: how'd you do against him when he first started do you remember
1: if i had to keep it a buck he i used to bully him but now it's it's he's right there he
0: keeps up isn't I mean, it funny how that like, someone can be like a round off at, at, uh, and then a couple years later now they're like a crazy competitive round
1: yeah that's 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 what at Dragon House is. We breed fighters from the bottom up. Like we, we That's what we want.
0: David, how long have you been at Dragon House?
1: I've been at Dragon House for like six years now. Okay. Going on to seven, I believe.
0: Is, uh, is Sifu is your original coach?
1: Uh, Yeah, he's my original coach, but my dad taught me. He was a Golden Glove back in the day, and he taught me how to box because I was always the little dude on the playground, so I always had to defend myself, and I had a little brother, so I had to... I had to tell them who, they, who I was. I was so oh, funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, Of course. Of course. <laughs> how long ago was your last fight?
1: year and a half ago, back I, in November.
0: Did COVID? How, how did you navigate COVID? Was it, was it, rough, was it rough for you?
1: Yeah, it was rough, you know, but uh, I just, that's when you got to just learn discipline. Just keep going to the gym. Like Andre Ward mm-hmm. said, like, just train even if you don't have, like, train, train like you have a fight, basically. Even if you don't have one coming up, just keep training like you have one. Mm-hmm. How, how many fights have you had? Do you know? Uh, amateurs, I had about 20. Uh, I had about three tournaments. And as a pro, I have two fights right now. But I have two in August coming up right now.
0: Okay, you're, you're booked. You got something coming up?
1: Yeah, I have something coming up.
0: We have, I think we have your last fight. Um, do we have your last? Yeah, we have yeah, your, yeah, the clip yeah. From your last fight. That's not a fight. It's a murder. <laughs> is it, is it? <laughs> <laughs> what was the uh, What was the game plan going into that last one? Did you know anything about your opponent?
1: Uh, I knew he was a... Uh, a jiu-jitsu dude but so i was gonna keep it standing but i was i was trying to really like flesh out my uh my game plan but just watch the fight it's super quick like it actually was...
2: helped him warm up for that fight and yeah. i
1: remember our coach's game plan was do not let this guy pull guard no matter what because oh, no, he he's a grappler down. like that yeah he yeah. Was, yeah i think he had about like five back-to-back submissions as an ami I believe. Oh, okay. Like he was known. For, he was known as, a, yeah, Jiu-Jitsu dude.
0: Where did you guys fight at? Uh, up in humble,
1: uh, the promotion was Hard Fight Productions. Oh, dope. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I,
0: like, oh, yeah. I, I kind of, I t- I've been trying to fight for those. Well, I reached out a couple times to fight for those guys. Um, mm-hmm. Back in the day, dude, it looks like a fun little show. Because they, uh, they give you like a little hotel. They'll give you a little hotel room. When I was an amateur, I was really trying to get on there too. Because you, you know they'll take care of you like a, you know. Have you fought on that one? Yeah, I fought on that one. I, oh,
2: pretty much, almost all my amateur fights have been on that one. Oh no way! All of them.
0: Dope. Hey, Carl, do you have uh, do you have David's clip from his last fight? Yeah, let's bring it up. Oh boy. No, no glove touch.
2: No glove touch. Nah, that guy was talking hella trash on the internet.
0: Oh no way. He was yeah. an internet
1: warrior. Yeah, he he was calling me out for like two years before this. But I was an amateur and he was already a pro. Why did he want to fight you for? I have no idea. He beat up one of his friends or something. I don't think so. But hey, he wanted the smoke, so I gave it to him. Yep. That's
0: how it is sometimes.
1: Gave him a (laughs) grave.
0: How was it? A good training camp?
1: Oh, it was a beautiful eight week training camp, like just like the old days. But, you know, COVID got to do it on like two week notice now. Yeah, right.
0: Who came to support you? A lot of friends and family there?
1: Uh, one. Yeah, it was just oh. the team. Yeah. Oh, oh, damn. oh, damn. Oh, wait, you're about to
2: see him <laughs> jump on the cage and go crazy. Let's go. Solo
0: gone
1: wild.
0: Oh, let's go. Oh, man, he was just was screaming fun. on the cage. Let's, <laughs> fucking, go.
1: let's <laughs> fucking go. Look, look at his hands. Just He's Ric flaring it, dude. Oh, he doesn't dough. care anymore. <laughs>
0: Oh, shit, he's alive? Oh, look, he got, oh, yep, yep, yeah, bro. Give him, show some respect. You got her, you got her, sportsmanship. You just got fucking uh, your head clean, clear clear off. Dude, I actually drove
2: back to the casino with him after the fight. What? Because that was the only ride that I had. Oh, no way. And we were talking, and he went like, dude, I think I should probably join you guys' team. Like, you guys are all killers on there. And What David just did to me, like, that's never happened before. And I just went, like, dude, like, if you can't beat them, man, join him.
0: I love how your team comes out for the fight. It's like a whole gang comes out.
1: Yeah, because we're just a family. That's it. Like, our, our coach, our seafood, basically always is, like, t- treat everybody like a family. Say hi to everybody. When you leave, say goodbye to everybody. Like, treat everybody like a brother and a sister.
0: Now you guys have great energy over there at the gym. It uh, it really is amazing, dude. He's built something special right there in San Francisco. Uh, a very diverse group, you know, uh, guys, ladies. Uh, but it's really it's really like a genuine fight team, though. It's, there's not a, are there are there kids classes there? At the? There is, but
2: it, I believe it's Monday and Thursday. Okay. But we don't really special. We do have it, mm-hmm. but our seafood's goal is to create as many UFC or any any high level promotion world champions as possible. Yeah. Because he knows deep down inside, that's all that we desire. And in return, like him as a coach, that's all that he wants. Like I've talked to him and he went like, all I want to produce is world-class fighters. I'm not a cardio kickboxing gym like everybody else. I want this gym to be all fighters. And that's why if people try to come here for cardio kickboxing. They, don't, if, they do not last long. Yeah, yeah, they don't last long because we're not that kind of atmosphere. Like it's all fighters. Yeah. Like I personally didn't want to become a fighter when I first showed up at Dragon House. I just wanted to train and just get in better shape and learn how to defend myself better. Yeah. Accident. I accidentally became an MMA fighter.
0: <laughs> I swear to God, I did. <laughs> yeah.
2: I was just doing it just to work out, lose weight, get healthy, and then I would just, I would just love training so much. Like I was training with um, some of our pro Bellator fighters. Um, we have Abraham Vasal, Paradise Velvassa, mm-hmm. like all those OGs. Like you know them. Yeah. Like those are those are straight up veterans in the game. Like we're able to go up to shows and make and like tell the promoter we want all of our guys to fight on this card and they don't say no because those guys laid down the groundwork for us to be able to do that because they held down and represented so like there is no us without them prior to and even then like we're not even talking about them like they're in the past like they're still active right now
0: i seen them at the gym last week yeah Yeah, exactly
2: (laughs) so like those guys they're just older than us they're the they're the before us, they're that generation, and now we're the up-and-comers. They were the up-and-comers, but now they're the seasoned veterans that are trying to stabilize their name and really implant it into the sport, especially when it comes to the Bay Area. Like, Paradise, like, anybody in the Bay Area knows him. Mm-hmm. Like, he fought Don Yeah. Like, you're familiar with him. He's uh-huh. the he's yeah. the, um, he's the spokesperson. Valley. He's the spokesperson for Bay Area Combat, <laughs> right? For, for the shows. SF, for
0: SF Combat. Yeah, for SF Combat. Yeah, he is. He's the one. He's a. He's a. He's a co-owner. I'm pretty sure for SF Combat.
2: Yeah. So like, like he's fought guys, amateur. Like he's been a combat sports athlete since he was four years old. And okay. like, like people like that, like you can't do anything but respect them because of the groundwork that they laid for the newer guys coming up
1: like us.
0: How long has Zonglo Zong been there? How long has Dragon House been right there?
1: Uh, I believe twenty. There, there. He's two thousand nine. Oh no! Okay. Yeah. But
2: our Sifu has had a gym, literally for about twenty five years now. It'd be the twenty so- fifth year anniversary is coming up, November twenty fifth or seventeenth, right?
1: Yep, that's when it is. He's, mm-hmm. We're probably gonna do a little get together with everybody. All the OGs will come out, even the new guys, even the upcomers, and even the young kids too. Just keep it, just keep it special uh, over there at the house, basically
0: super dope he has you know he has lofty goals for you guys David let me ask you what are what are your what goals do you have for yourself in MMA
1: my goals right now uh obviously be a world champion but right now my task is just uh get get any fight right now go undefeated make the Dana White's contender series and get a five fight contract three fight contract right now but right now I just got to focus the task at task at hand and win that next fight
0: yeah, it gets rough looking too far in the future, but I do like to set lofty goals. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a contender series. Juma, what uh, where, where are you trying to do with your, uh, your career right now? I'm
2: absolutely going to be professional by the end of this year. I was actually going to make a pro debut against a guy who's actually fought on combate, I think, last night or the week before, but we just didn't agree on a weight class because it was so short notice. Like, literally, it was a week and a half notice, and the guy wanted me to fight at 45, but I was, like, at that time, like 168, So, like, obviously, I'm not about to try to do that. But it would have been an awesome opportunity. So, like, my coach is looking for professional-level opportunities for me. It's just at that point in time, we weren't ready to take it because I had just done a match prior to. And it's just, like, after the weight rebound, like, you need to recover, especially for my 45 cut. Like, I needed time to recover from that. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure you did. Mm -hmm. Do you have have goals uh, – professional goals like when you become a pro I, when I was an amateur I just wanted to become a pro too my my goal was to win a state title uh, a camo state title and then I wanted to become a pro but then when I became a pro I had to make all new goals because mm-hmm. for a second there it was like I felt like so accomplished like oh I accomplished i had set out to do but that's not a good you can't have that feeling when you're about to make your pro debut like you need to be hungrier than like you've ever been you know so Mm -hmm. i i uh i made new goals loftier goals do you have do you have goals that when you do become a professional yeah what are you trying to do
2: so my goal is to become one of the best muslim mma fighters to ever do it period point blank end of story like when you talk about mma fighters one like who is the best i want to be in that conversation and then the subcategory or the main category for me is Muslim MMA fighters, which has become a recently new phenomena for everybody. But for me, I want to be cemented as that. I want my legacy after I'm gone. Like, I don't fight for money. Mm-hmm. Like, the money is cool and all. Like, just in traveling expenses alone in the past two and a half, three months, I even went to my teammate Batsumbero Davdorch when he headlined two LFA cards. I paid for that out of my own pocket just so that I could be in that atmosphere, that high level atmosphere. Just in three months alone, I probably spent over five or six G's just traveling out of my own pocket. I don't do it for the money. If you're in this sport for money, you're in it for the wrong reason in my opinion. And that's exactly what my coach always tells me too. Like if somebody came to this sport to try to make money and become rich, you're gonna find out real soon that that's a terrible idea. Like you have to love what you do. And I genuinely love what I do. Like, I'd be willing to pay somebody to make a professional debut against me. (laughs) Like, that's how serious I am about my stuff. Like, I just want to pay just to go see the fights, to be in that kind of atmosphere. And that was for the LFA. So, you know, like in Minnesota, like Oklahoma, like middle of nowhere. But my coach literally tells me a week and a half, hey, I want you to get a ticket for this fight because I want you to be there because I think you're going to learn something. Mm -hmm. And that was enough for me to buy the ticket. You, you asked me to spend five to $800 on a plane ticket, no problem. Because I personally will grow and benefit from it. Like seeing my teammates fight at that world-class stage, like he fought Mekon Mendoza. He's the, he was the welterweight champion until he vacated the title after fighting my teammate for five rounds. That got fight of the year for the LFA. The LFA is like the stomping ground for UFC talent to come through. Yeah. And he fought a five-round fight against a dude that weighed in at 170 and night of was 200 pounds. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And he fought a five round fight against that dude in a war. He lost two teeth in that fight. He lost his front tooth and part of his other one. And literally when my coach was cornering him ringside, he said when he he lost those teeth, he didn't even fucking flinch. He still kept coming forward. And like seeing that, crazy. And then seeing his fight when he fought Spike Carlisle at LFA 102 or 103. Like Spike Carlisle, tough guy. And he just got cut by the UFC. And my teammate was his fight coming out of the UFC. So obviously, if my teammate wins this fight, he gets to that next level. Yeah. Because Spike isn't a pushover. I remember him. Yeah, he's an NCAA wrestler. Like, kind of crazy guy and shit, but yeah. Black belt in jujitsu. Right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's crazy and all. I mean, I don't know animosity towards him, but, like, dude, like, who isn't crazy if you do this? Yeah. Like, dude, you fight people for a living, dog. Like, you have to be a little bit crazy or you have to love what you do. It's one or the other. But, like, seeing my teammate, like, I saw the weight cut for that fight. Like, a lot of people didn't see, like, the behind the scenes for that. I saw this man sit in a sauna for over – in about two or three-hour increments just to cut – two or three pounds, and he did that over a 24-hour span, and he, he had went from weighing 168 from when we landed to 155, and I saw him, like, I saw him, like, break down after the weight cut. Yeah. Like, in the hotel room, and, like, I yeah, saw what vicious. it took out of him. Like, I saw this man, he gave everything. I remember he was talking to one of his um, translators, and he told the translator, it's either I'm gonna die I'm going to make weight.
0: Yep. (laughs) And I'll die to make this
2: weight. And he absolutely did. And the moment, like he was shaking on the way to the to there, but then the moment the athletic commission had eyes on him, puffed out his chest, kept walking, got it done. And then the moment he weighed in, he sat down and started hydrating. Like that hands down, like that level of dedication and commitment, I have never seen out of an athlete. Ever, ever. And I've seen hundreds of fights and I've seen hundreds maybe even thousands of athletes now in the short time that I have spent in the sport and like I've never seen somebody so dedicated and mentally strong to where they endure that kind of suffering and they don't whine and moan like you have guys that cut that kind of weight and they complain the whole time Mm -hmm. and they talk this guy didn't say anything like he would step on the scale shake his head go right back like, that's the level of dedication that I've been around. So, like, now personally, like, that is my standard.
0: How, um, how, do, you, how do you afford to, to make these trips out there like that? You know, because obviously it's hard to make money um, in MMA. Do you have sponsors or, or do you sponsor yourself or what do, how do you do I actually
2: do have my newest sponsor, Team Reaper, mm-hmm. and they have a whole bunch of cool stuff. I have hoodies, I have shirts, I have tank tops. I have everything you could ever want. Just go on my Instagram. It's, J, it's um, Muslim underscore Tiger underscore MMA. Okay. And man, that stuff is dope. I talked to him on the way here and told him that I was coming here. He said, I will have that ready for you by the time you get there so that you can drop it. So the link is in my bio. I also have a post about it. Just copy and paste that link and get your merch. But also how I pay for it is um, I work. And I worked at this nonprofit called First Place for Youth. And I'm really good at saving. Yeah. And I also invest. I invest in cryptocurrency and stock and stuff like that. So I just, I'm always on top of my stuff. Like if you ask Solo, like he remembers me from a year and a half ago, dude. I, didn't, I don't come from a rich family. I was homeless living underneath the cage for almost an entire year. Damn. He, he's, he saw me. No yeah he would right when practice started he would roll out from underneath the cage yeah. pretty much go to work <laughs> yep. and i had two jobs during that time
0: The I knock would, on the cage hey come on bro time, practice is starting exactly. dude. five minutes there, <laughs> was, there was a
2: few of us that were doing that but i was homeless was, dude. yeah because of circumstance i just went homeless yeah. and literally in my mind the only way that i could even pay my sifu for letting me stay there was by fighting yeah Fuck and yeah. that's it i can't offer him anything i was literally homeless. And then when I went homeless, he had me promise him, one, this will never happen again. And two, just make sure that you're always financially stable. And after that, I got my stuff together. I had two jobs. I was working. This was my schedule. I would wake up at 4.30 in the morning and go, this is when I start my week. I go to this shop called Urban Remedy, and I open up the store from like 5.30, and then I'm done with my shift at 2.30. Then I rest a little bit. I take naps on the bus on the way back to home, the gym. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I go to sleep underneath the cage and eat a little something. And then I wake up, train from five all the way until nine. And then I have a night shift job working as a security guard, as a public safety officer, from 10 in the morning until 3.30, 4 o'clock. And then it's rinse and repeat, that cycle every single day. And then during that time also, I was teaching private lessons So sometimes that small window between 2.30 to 5 o'clock, I would work because I have a private lesson. And just during that time, like, I really hustled for everything that I had. So then, like, looking back on that even now, and I was 20 years old going through that. Now I'm 22. Like, it's molded me into the mentally strong man that I am today to where I look at opposition and I look at difficulty a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Like, Things could be a lot worse. And you know what? Like, the level of frustration and difficulty that I went through as a young man has helped mold me into the person I am today. So I don't do MMA for money. Like, for me, the money just opens up time for me to be able to dedicate myself to this. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that I have a professional level mentality. It's just now all I need is the opportunity and the right bodies to take out for it.
0: <laughs> yeah. victims to line up um, speaking of victims so you are uh, you are competing uh, in, in the jiu-jitsu tournament uh, i think nick cruz from guerrilla jiu-jitsu's a pro belt he's going to be your first opponent in the in the bracket how do you how do you uh, uh, how do you approach jiu-jitsu um, do, is it different from fighting for you or like how do you how do you look absolutely.
2: at it absolutely well it's not necessarily different my mentality is the same i'm in there to break you mm-hmm. i'm in there to break you destroy you i don't care like, you're gonna get out of there. It's either you can be moving or you can't. I don't care. Like, if I guillotine you and break your neck, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Sure like, it's nothing, it's nothing personal, bro. Like, you know what you were signing up for. Yep. Like, I don't care if it's jiu-jitsu, if it's fighting, you can give me a life-altering injury and I can give you one too. Like, I don't take it lightly. Like, I did a jujitsu competition in a cage. Like, it was submission-only EBI rules. And like, I dominated that guy. He was a purple belt too. Very well-known, very well-known school in Florida, and nobody wanted to take him. I dominated the dude and was talking to him the whole time.
0: Is that the one that we have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll watch that one a little bit later. So we're actually going to see that one a little bit later. For you guys that are watching, you'll be able to see that one. My bad, but keep going.
2: But, yeah, like, my my pedigree, like, even as a white belt, my last week as a white belt, I went to Philadelphia and grappled with these awesome guys from Gracie Humaita, and I I grappled with all purple belts and brown belts. And I heel-hooked and submitted all of them except one guy who was brown belt level. And even that guy, it was back and forth between us. And then that same week, because the instructor, um, Professor Zach, he also owns his own gym. It's called Onyx in Philadelphia. Shout out to him, too. He told me, because he was impressed, these are his purple belts mm-hmm. that I'm tapping out in front of him. So, in literally, these guys are getting ready to compete and fight to win. That's originally what I went out there for, because I hit up the promoter for fight to win because I asked my coach if I could, and he said, go ahead. So then I did, and then the promoter, he ended up scratching my match and not telling me until literally I landed in Denver. Yeah. So I got screwed over, but I still made the best out of that kind of situation. So I went like, dude, if I can't compete, the least I'm going to do is go freaking train somewhere and get that level. So then I competed against these guys who were high-level guys on fight to win. Like all, all three of the guys that I, that I was training with, all competed fight to win. And I was, I did really good. Right. I impressed their professor enough to where he went like, dude, I'm refing this local tournament in Philly. Why don't you come? And then he went, and then I asked him like, could I compete as a blue belt and still do leg locks and heel hooks? And then he went like, no, you can actually. So you'd have to sign up as a purple belt. And I went like, all right, say less, yeah. got you. <laughs> so then I did mm-hmm. and I won my first match against a very decorated purple belt, Naga world champion no gi everything Mm. very decorated and i heel hooked him with i think like 20 seconds left and then the next guy that i grappled with he was a d1 wrestler who was about to get his purple belt in literally less than a week and i only lost to him because i honestly gassed out that was the first time i ever did a grappling match yeah and like we were heel hooking and leg locking each other that was that was match of the night and like there were hundreds of grappling matches there were even black belts competing there but we got Match of the Night. Shout out to um, Submission Only, or not Submission Only. What was the, um, I don't remember the menu. Yeah. But it's all good. Yeah. We got Match of the Night between that. And the black belt guy that invited me, he, ma- he refed both of my matches. Because he went like, dude, I just like your style of grappling so much. Like, it's so interesting to me. Like, I don't know what it is, but I just like you grappling. And I want to see it. Dope. So, and that's from a black belt who's been competing as a black belt for about a year or two. So that meant a lot coming from him. And then just like, I don't, whenever I grapple with somebody, I could really care less about your belt rank. Once we're, once we're competitively going against each other, it's either you're going to fold or I am. And I don't plan on folding.
0: Yeah. David, how do you feel about jujitsu?
1: Oh, I love jujitsu. You know, it, it's like what? One third of the game. You got to learn it. I love it. Uh, Need to do more jujitsu matches, that's for sure. Like, I need to do what he's doing right now, but I've been slacking on it.
0: Yeah. I did a bunch of them when I was a blue belt. I did a bunch of tournaments. And uh, when I started doing MMA, although I, stri- I was, like, mostly a striker, were all- there was just a bunch of video of me doing jujitsu, mm-hmm. So everyone thought I was, like, a jiu-jitsu guy. So I was actually able to, like, put hands and feet on a lot of people uh, when I first started. Yeah, because they, like, thought I was a jujitsu guy. And then, um, and then I, I need to I need to get back to that shit too. Wrestling's a big aspect. How's your, David? How's your wrestling?
1: Oh, my wrestling uh, evolved a lot ever since I fought. I think I fought one of your teammates, Peter Ishigura.
0: Oh, you fought Peter? Yeah, yeah, Hell, yeah.
1: He, he's a D one, and ever since I like, I'm not gonna. I'll keep it a buck. I lost to him, but ever since then, I kept kept my wrestling, kept evolving. Like we have state champions from Skyline. You know, uh, you fought one of our teammates, Steve Martin. Uh-huh. I learned. I always pick up moves from him. Brady Huang, who's also like another American, Dupre. Mm -hmm. He's another uh, All-American, Ezra. He was a state champion. And All-American. All-American too. Two-time All-American. Yeah, so I'm always trying to level up my wrestling all the time. And it's pretty fun, I fell in love with it. At first I was just like, fucking hate wrestling. Don't wanna (laughs) do this shit, I suck at it. I love striking, but I was like, you know what? Fuck it, let's just do it. And ever since then, I fell in love with it. Like, let's wrestle. If you wanna wrestle, let's wrestle. Right?
0: <laughs> no, I like wrestling, too. You know, Peter Ishiguro, he's going to be on the opposite end of your – in your bracket for, mm-hmm. the, uh, for the jiu-jitsu tournament. So if you make it to the finals and he makes it to the finals, you guys might potentially have – When a, I able, make
2: it to the finals. When you get to
0: the finals, you know, Y'all both will get breaded out there. Uh, it's a tough so-so-so. I think he's still like a blue belt, but he's a you know, D1 wrestler blue belt. You know, what I'm Okay. Saying? So, those, you know, they, uh, they, get, uh, they get promoted a little bit quicker than the other guys. Um, what do you guys feel about – I know this is a weird question – and so it just answered honestly, though. Answer it honestly. What do you guys feel about strikes to the back of the head? Like, do you think those should be um, illegal? I know that in a lot of street fighting situations and a lot of the martial arts that I learned growing up, um, you actually were, you, de- you did strike to the back of the head just because you were trying to disable your opponent like as fast as possible. I just hate when people will just like be in a very vulnerable position, but then just turn their face away so you can't. Hit them, and you can't hit them, even though you, you technically could. Just be smashing them in the brain, you know, the back of their head. What do you, uh, uh, Juma? What do you feel about those strikes? I'll say
2: one little thing, and then I'll pass it to <laughs> someone. Go ahead, go ahead. But I personally, whenever I train, I plan for people to cheat. Yeah. I literally plan for that. I go like, if he hits me in the back of the head, this is how I'm going to respond. Mm-hmm. Like I plan for that because it's a reality of the sport. If somebody hits you in the back of the head. If, you, if the ref didn't see it, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had nut shots happen to me where the ref didn't see it, so it didn't happen.
1: Yeah, you've so like, yeah. But I wanted to know what Solo thinks about it first. Yeah, I agree with you. The same thing. Like, if they're going to train to turn their head, I'm going to train to make them turn right back to me. Fuck okay, it, that's what you said uh, about jiu-jitsu. you got to learn how to uh, manipulate the body to your advantage, basically. So I'm gonna. they're going to turn their head, okay then, I'm going to turn you right back to me, and you're going to get a big one. Yeah.
0: I I I I there's just so many scenarios where the person would be just so fucked if you could hit him in the back of the head, but then but but apparently they're safe there, like against the cage with wrestlers, they'll just be like trying to work the takedown, and really, dude, it's hard against the cage to defend a takedown at times against a strong strong wrestler, and if you could just elbow him right in the fucking head, right in their little melon, right there, you know what I'm saying? I just would love, I would love if you were allowed to hit in the back of the head. Because there's people that are mounted that constantly just give up their back. They give up their back just because they're tired of getting punched. Mm -hmm. When um, you could just elbow the back of someone's head. I know that the back of their head is hard and you can break your hands on the back of their head, but you could elbow the back of their head and your elbow would be fine.
2: Well, for me, fighting is fighting, dude. Like, preferably, everything should be allowed except, like, obviously, nut strikes Mm -hmm. or, like, eye checking. pokes or fish yeah. hooks yeah. yeah so like <laughs> yeah, the those, obvious yeah. stuff like that but if you can punch, kick, elbow or knee it, it should absolutely be allowed that's my personal view on it now other people are going to feel a certain kind of way and they're entitled to that but honestly like I do I do mixed martial arts to learn how to actually fight like mm-hmm. there are times where during my fights I want to intentionally like elbow somebody upside their head or do, or do something that will be frowned upon and mm-hmm. I have to correct that because I come from a street-fighting background. Like, I was street-fighting for money as a little kid when I was 7 years old all the way until I was 11 or 12 mm-hmm. in, in the deep of East Oakland.
0: Like, <laughs> I was literally
2: doing that. Yeah. Like, as a little kid, I grew up street-fighting for money. My older stepbrother would sign me up for this stuff. It wasn't like an official sign-up, but it was like, all right, you got we'll a kid do it. that age? Yeah. All right, how much, how much are we getting? All right, cool. And they weren't telling me, like, don't punch somebody in the back of the head. You beat the crap out of that person. Right. You can slam them into a damn car if you wanted to. Yeah. I know the last street fight that I did like that, somebody, it was actually my homie. We ended up fighting each other and I told him, like, dude, I'm not going to fight my best friend. So then the dude, he didn't care. He beat the brakes off me. And <laughs> I refused to fight him because I, in my mind, I was like a, I was like a 10 or 11 year old kid. And like, I was like, dude, I'm not going to fight my friend. Mm. And then he went like, oh, really? And then he Started teeing off on me, beat the shit out of me for like a minute. Then he picks me up by my head and slams my head through a car window. And that was considered a loss.
0: So that's a tough head.
2: Yeah, so that's my background. <laughs> like I don't really care. Like I had to learn the rules of MMA.
0: Yeah. The rule no, yeah.
2: I had to shape how I fight according to that.
0: According to the rule set, right? And yeah. People, yeah so it's, like, it's it's there's it's a sport because because of you know of those rules but it's the weirdest sport because it's to the death. And I know you don't die, but you get a fucking get a fucking brain injury, dude. Like a vicious brain injury, uh, you yeah. know.
2: One of our teammates, he he fought somebody and they flatlined 3 times. Oh,
0: wait, wait. So you can't die. Yeah. Yep. So it is a, it is a reality. That was an amateur fight, was it not? Yep.
2: Our 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 teammate ja Ray Hayes, he literally made his amateur debut like 2 months ago, 3 months ago, and now he's 2 and 0 and he's been running through guys. And literally, if you were there, you heard the wind going by whenever he would miss a ground and pound strike. And when you heard it, when he hit him, the whole cage would shake. And this guy, he leaves the cage stumbling. He goes to the back room and the doctor sees him drop and he flatlines and they bring out the chest pedals to bring him back. This man died and got brought back to life once. Then he died again and got brought back to life. They did that three times. This man got brought back, and then eventually he got to the emergency room. And then from last of what I heard, he's still on life support.
1: No, he, he got released from, uh, on Wednesday. He was fine. He, like this Wednesday? No, no. Like the fight was Saturday, and then next week on Wednesday he was, uh, he was released. Yeah, but that fight at that point, it happened like a month ago.
0: He, um, that's, that's a crazy. So they had to pause the event while the ambulance transported him to the hospital, huh? Yep. Like, All right, guys, uh, a, b- brief, a brief, quick intermission. We got to bring a body to the fucking corner and then we'll be back. So is that, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a tough job for the, uh, for the ring announcer. Hey, guys, real quick, um, go get some beers and popcorn. One dead, you know what I'm saying? But we still got about 14 athletes alive. So the show, <laughs> the show will go on. Yeah, man,
2: like, that guy's a hard hitter. Like, he's making a professional debut very soon, so watch out for him.
0: Who was, your t- who was your toughest opponent, David? Do you remember? Ooh,
1: my toughest opponent. Any
0: wars? You got any wars?
1: I say my, yeah, my toughest opponents were probably Isaiah Rocha and Peter Ishigura. Those were, those were some fun mm-hmm. wars right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Peter beats me up, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, that fucker can grapple, dude. Like, yeah, he's good. Mm-hmm. And, and and he's very angry. You know, he's actually a, a shout out, Peter. He's having a, a baby coming up, dude. So that's that's sick, Peter. Awesome. I think it's a little baby boy. So good for Peter. Um, yeah, uh, uh, how about you, man? You me. Any? Yeah.
2: My past, actually, my last fight wasn't a war. It was that guy trying to survive. But the guy before him, Will Rince, he's really good. He's really good. He yeah. fights out of Gracie, Tampa. And that was, that was hands down a straight-up war. Like, we were both exchanging strikes, and he just took me down so many times, and I would work my way back up. But, like, in Florida, we were able to throw elbows to the head. Oh, so, as like, an amateur? Yup.
0: Oh, wee. And we
2: both agreed before the fight. I, went, like, I looked down and went like, hey, bro, you trying to throw elbows to the head? Because that's exactly what I'm trying to do. It's <laughs> like, dude, I came all the way out here in Florida, and now you're telling me I could throw elbows to somebody's melon? Oh, yeah, bro, I'm down. Yeah. Like... Yeah, let's get it. And freaking like, that was the first time I ever like ate some elbows from the ground and pound. And I remember I took like four or five elbows. I remember the first one hit me like in my cheek and then the other two hit me in my mouth and I thought I lost some teeth. Damn. And I immediately thought, oh wow, this is what my teammate went through when he went, when he lost some teeth. I went like, you know what, fuck it. (laughs) If I lost some teeth, at least it was in a fight. And then I popped back up and then he elbows me a few times in my head And then i remember thinking to myself whoa my body just went limp i could go out if i take another one of these Mm -hmm. so then i pop up i start shrimping and then i pull my guard but like hands down dude that was one of the biggest wars of my of my career to date and that fight definitely changed me but my previous fight the guy was gritty but he didn't show up to fight me like he showed up to try to survive at a certain point like i remember when we got into the cage he was staring at me, like, acting all tough. And then the moment we started striking, it was over. Second round goes in, we, I start teeing off on him. I'm screaming at this guy. And I see his face, like, just sink, like. And then I went, like, oh, I just broke you. And then we go into the third round, and literally his whole plan, I, even his corners were saying, hold him down. Yeah. They're not telling him to ground impound me or try to submit me. Mm-hmm. They're saying, hold him down. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between like.
0: Stop this fucking murderer, bro. Yeah, like dude, I was. I'm gonna be honest, dude. I was trying to kill him. I was honestly
2: trying to kill him that night, and he knew it. That's why when they announced that he won that fight in a split decision, his whole face was like.
0: Hey, Carl, do you have do you have that clip for us, Carl? If my bro, if my bro can bring that one up, we like that one, dude. Yeah, that was a fun clip. I told you when I seen it, I was like, hey, you might have to erase this clip because. <laughs> No one's going to want to fight you after they see this. In Florida,
2: nobody wanted to fight me after that fight. Literally, for the grappling event, my fights got canceled. Four different people pulled out on me. Nobody wanted to do. Two people didn't want to MMA fight me. One guy didn't want to kickbox against me. And I think they brought in some boxer who was going to make an MMA debut to fight me, but he also pulled out. No way. Nobody wanted to fight me after that fight.
0: I'm telling you, they've seen this clip. You got this clip for us, Carl? Is this the one right here? Oh, Raining
1: yeah, down punches go. immediately. Amato does a this great is just job a highlight standing for back him. up, defending against those punches. Head kick, body fuck. Kick there
0: from Muhammad on Those hurt.
1: Dude,
2: if I would have landed that, he would have been flatlined. Oh, if both shot, if both I didn't both have shitty. I truly there. believe that. Like, dude, that thing rocked him.
0: Yeah, because you can't block that no head kick with one arm. Hell, Hell no.
2: Oh, no. I remember I looked at him and was just like, you want to oh, wow. fucking trade with, right now. <laughs> bitch, <you laughs> trade with me? You haven't traded with me this whole fight. Time. And because it's the last 10 seconds, you want to man the fuck up and fight me? Oh, You're not oh, man, man, man enough to fuck
0: with me. And then
2: that's like, dude, I just snapped. Something in me snapped. And I'm not going to lie, dude, that was the most alive I've ever felt during the fight.
0: What did uh, your coach say? What did your coach say in between oh, rounds right there? Oh,
2: man, my coach went like, He's, he is scared of you. Finish him. And he told me, I think you're winning the fight. And then I looked at my coach, and I'm like, I didn't win until he's either on the ground or the fight is over. And then he went like, good, go finish him.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how you have to get down sometimes, man. It's, um, it's hard because you have to be a fucking straight, vicious murderer in there. And then, and then also you have to balance being a regular human being. How do you, how do you find that balance? Jamal, I'll ask you first. How do you find that balance between being a fighter and then also doing, doing stuff you do for work and then just the, the morals and standards that you grew up with uh, passed along through your family?
2: So me, I grew up in a Muslim household, and I'm Muslim personally myself, and it's a life decision that I personally decided to make because it's an honest and peaceful way of living. But for me personally, like, it's in my nature to fight. Like, I just been fighting since I was a little kid. Like, it's just in me. Like, I remember the first time I got into a group fight, it was like 10 or 11 of us versus like 20 different kids in some park. And I remember I was swinging on 13 and 14 year olds. And then I just remember like my body going limp because apparently somebody hit me upside the head with a bat and then I just dropped. And then I remember my older brother picking me up and then like carrying me back to our house. Like, I don't even remember getting there. I just remember him picking me up and telling me like, let's go. And then I was like, where are we going? And then he was like, we need to go home. And I went like, oh, okay. And then like, I'm like stumbling home. Like, and this is in deep East Oakland. So like, for me, like I just grew up fighting. So for me, it's just in my nature. It's just how I personally believe how God made me just, I was put on this earth to fight. I was put on this earth to fight, dominate, and be the best fighter, be the best Muslim fighter to ever do it. But how I balance like the normal life and that is like everything in perspective, right? Like I'm allowed to do that when I get into a cage or when I get on the mat, versus like even the work that I do. Like I work at a nonprofit. it's called First Place for Youth. I help endangered and homeless youth. I hook them up with housing, with resources, food, and like seeing those kids, like I was homeless myself for almost an entire year. And I know like how how bad that is. And then on top of that, I was also in the system for a little bit as a kid too. And these are straight up foster youth that grew up in the system. Like, they had a last name or a number attached to their name, and that's how, they, that's how they're referred to and talked about in front of themselves. Yeah. And they get prescribed a medication or something, and they have no say in it. So it's like seeing those kids and being able to help them, like, that's just – personally, that gives me inner peace. So I live a life that I can personally be proud of. Like, some of the kids, like, they, they don't even know that I'm an MMA fighter. Like, 80 or 90% of the kids, the only ones that know – is because the staff told them that I'm an MMA fighter. Because okay. I show up to work, like maybe one time, like wearing the Under Armour shirt so I would look pretty in shape. Mm-hmm. And then they ask some questions and find out I'm an, I'm an MMA fighter. Like, I don't advertise that there because that's not the place for it. Like, I wanted to work there to help people and to help change their lives for the better. I didn't go there to try to, like, use it as a platform to try to advertise myself. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I separate the work and that. Like, I would do that job even, like, I told you, and will this. Like, I would do that job even if I wasn't paid for it. And like, I truly mean that. Like being able to help these kids and hook them up with resources, like, and seeing them leave the center with like a smile, a genuine smile on their face, especially like the single moms that come through, nobody's helping them. There's no government assistance that'll help you pay for diapers. You know how expensive diapers are? Like when we tell them like, we'll mail diapers to your house, they lose their mind. Like one, one, one of our uh, youth, her car broke down in front, of, in front of the resource center. And I ended up watching her four year old kid and the one and a half year old kid for like an hour and a half, almost two hours. Dope. And she didn't, she didn't know that I know how to watch kids because I grew up raising my younger siblings. I have three younger siblings and I raised all of them because my mom, she had a C-section so like they weren't able to be taken care of necessarily by their mom. And my mom, she was on heavy medication because she was a high risk pregnancy. And then my dad, he's working all the way in San Jose or somewhere way out there. So like, obviously he doesn't get home until like eight or nine at night. So who's there cooking and cleaning for them? That's me, I'm changing their diapers. I'm the one waking up at two or three in the morning changing my little siblings diapers. So that's one thing too, that I hope that one day they can just look back on and appreciate. Mm -hmm. But like me personally, like helping raise kids and like watching kids, like dude, that's no problem. That's almost like second nature for me. So, like, I just enjoy being able to help people my age, too. Like, these kids are my age. Like, our, our center helps kids from, like, 16 or 15 as the youngest all the way until 23. And even once you turn 23, we still have, like, mentorship and stuff like that that we offer them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, we can't offer them resources directly, but we can still give them food and indirect resources like that. Yeah. So, for me, that's the balance. Like, it's, I take a more holistic approach style when it comes to living my life. I live a life that I can be proud of, and then it's also having the balance and doing things that are dream-affirmative towards the things that I want to do. Because even once I become a UFC world champion, I only want to become the greatest fighter so that I can teach people how to properly defend themselves. And they don't question it. You want to know why? Because i was the best fighter on the planet at one point in time. (laughs) So shut up and just do what I'm telling you to do, because I'm not thinking this works. I know it works.
0: Mm-hmm. I've, I practiced it. I've, I've been trying these. You yeah, know I, know I did
2: trial by fire. You willing to do what I did? No. All right, then. Just <laughs> shut up
0: and listen. David, how do you balance? Dude, I mean, honestly, dude, let me, I mean, let me touch on that for a second. You live a crazy life, bro. You're very dynamic you know you can do it all some people can't do it all like that you know some people have to be kind of narrow-minded and and they can only be good at at violence or only be good at like being a humanitarian you know but you um you wear many hats and uh and it's very uh respectable bro like what you do and and that's why you're gonna have a very bright future i'm very excited
2: really quick if i could say something really quick there's um there's this book called the book of five rings and it's about this um samurai and one thing that really like took me to the next level like while i was homeless I would download books offline and just listen to them. Like Richest Man in Babylon, like hundreds of hours of books. And one of the things that I took away from it is went like a warrior isn't complete unless he has multiple skills across different crafts. If you're a samurai or a warrior and you fight to the death, you should be a poet or a philosopher as well as that. Because then not only are you just a warrior, you're taking yourself to the next level mentally, which will allow you to outthink your opponents. So, I'm not a one dimensional person, just like I'm not a one dimensional fighter. Like, I fought a D1 wrestler in my last fight. That changed me. Yeah. Like, you asked solo my wrestling in between like a month and a half ago and now, totally different because I learned the mistakes that you can and can't make when it comes to wrestling. I beat the crap out of that guy. The only reason why he won is because he secured two or three takedowns and held me down for a minute. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. He knows he didn't beat the crap out of him. I literally came out of that fight the same way I look now versus that guy. He came out of that fight. His face was lumped up. I remember I looked at him in the second round and I'm like, holy crap. I did that to that dude's face. Mm-hmm. His face is like lumped up. He can barely see out of his right eye. Like how the hell is he still up? Yeah. So like for me, like it's being the whole thing. Like I can't be just the straight up killer and warrior without having that balance. Like you need to have the balance. Like if you're just one thing, then like for me personally, like one thing that really had me shift, right? My mom passed away right before COVID. And a big motivator for me was that I want to take my mom out of the situation that she was in to where she could be able to do her own thing regardless of what circumstance she was in. And once she died, I had to ask myself, why am I doing MMA? Like why? Cause that was a motivating factor for me. And it was gone. Like now, technically there's no point for me to do it anymore. And then literally I got deep into meditation. I got deep into spirituality, praying, stuff like that. And I didn't train at Dragon House for three or four months. And this was during COVID as well. And the guys didn't see me, like they remember, like I went months without being there. Cause like, dude, I needed to get my mind right. Like that was the woman that took care of me from when I couldn't take care of myself until now Mm -hmm. so then I ended up coming to the conclusion I asked myself the question like if I could do something every day and not get paid for it but my bare minimum necessities were taken care of what would it be and I'm like it would be fighting I didn't even think about it thought about it for like a few seconds but the the thought to occur that took months to even formulate and then I was like damn that's how much I love what I do like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, dude, I like fighting people that much and learning how to fight that much. Like, that's crazy, but I love what I do. And, like, literally, like, I got kicked out of my own house for it. Yeah. Like, my, unfortunately, like, my family at the time went, like, if you wanna be an MMA fighter, you can't live here. Mm-hmm. So I moved in with my boy, and then some stuff ended up happening with that, and then I went homeless. Yeah. So, like, literally, like, I've had people, like, at every twist and turn try to, have me venture away from this and I pursue it wholeheartedly. And it took me years to figure out how I could, how I could live a sustainable lifestyle in order to pursue this full time. And now that I feel like I have that recipe for success, the perfect amount of diversity, I'm ready. Like I'm more than ready to pursue this goal and journey of mine. And I I used to hesitate about it. Like I used to hesitate telling people like I love fighting like now I'll tell somebody in the middle of the street, absolutely I love fighting. I am an MMA fighter, but I'm not just that, I'm also this as well. And it isn't because I wanna give myself an out, it's because I'm genuinely good at multiple things. Like I'm not one dimensional and that's what I take pride in the most. And it translates into my fighting, I'm super creative.
0: No, definitely. So, and, and you use the cage very well too, if, 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 I, if I must add something. Thanks. Yeah, you use the cage very well, which is, which is super important because we're fighting in a cage. Mm-hmm. So, like, being able to know how to use that is is a, is, is a skill set all all, all to itself. I mean, clenching because there's jujitsu, uh, uh, wrestling, striking, but then the clench like on the cage. I feel like it's a whole other element to. to uh... Yeah, like for
2: me, like um, and Solo can attest to this too. Like our seafood, like he really highlights like wall wrestle, especially if you don't come from a D one level background. He mm-hmm. want like the most important thing for you, even before jujitsu, is wall wrestling. Learning how to get back up after you get taken down using the MMA cage wall. Yeah. And I learned how to wall wrestle better than my Jits. In my opinion, my wall wrestling is like black belt level, in my opinion. Hell yeah. Like for real. Like I got took down by a D1 wrestler two or three times during a fight. And you don't think he tried to shoot on me more than 10 times? Yeah. It was because the cage was there and he couldn't take me down. And I'm talking to him the whole time. I go like, dude, why are you trying to just shoot and just take me down? Like, dude, you know I deserve to win this fight. Just fucking let me win. And I'm talking to him the whole time, and he looks up at me, and I go, like, dude, this is how you want to win? I remember he took me down, and I went, like, dude, this is how you want to win? Huh? Huh? And then he just went, like, what the fuck? And I went, like, dude, fight me. Like, actually fight me. And he just held me down there. Like, he had no intention of fighting me. He just wanted to survive, and now he's fighting for a belt. So, I mean, he has to live with that, not me. I went in there and poured my soul out, like that's why. Even when they told me that I lost that fight in a split decision, I went like that, walked off, and told them, "I'm gonna keep coming back until I win a goddamn belt."
0: You can't give up. You know, not it, it's hard fighting wrestlers. Um, it's because because it, I mean the the rule sets it makes it so they can win by by doing that and. You know, Dana White doesn't like those kind of wrestlers, those lame prey, like no ground and pound. That's why we like we like Khabib's, we like Khabib's wrestling because of the oh, yeah. vicious ground and pound. You yes. know, and uh, if they can have vicious ground and pound, then it kind of does highlight their wrestling. It makes the wrestling a little cooler. But, um, but David, let me ask you though. So, how do you balance? How do you balance the violence with being, you know, the porn star?
1: Being <laughs> Um you know, I come from a. Obviously, I do come from a fighting family, but also I do come from a blue-collar family. So you know, we're all about hard work, keeping our mouth shut, but keeping our chin our chin's up high because we are a proud family. Also, too, like learning, like I read the uh, the, the book, book of, of Five, five Rings, and also like like Bruce Lee said, like always be a student, like always mm. try to find new things, not not just like find new things, but also love new things. Like like you gotta love doing it, you know, like being a DJ or Doing a uh, playing guitar or whatever, but like me personally, I like being a handyman. That's just me. I like working with my hands. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I uh, shout out to my job at Show Shady Heating, but uh, yeah, I like working, doing sheet metal work. Like, I'm trying to learn how to weld too. If you can't sponsor um, this guy, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I'm always trying to find new things just just to keep my head away from the violence. But when it's, when it's time to let it out, you just gotta it's all about reading the room like time and place for it you know feel me i just can't be going wild at seven o'clock in the morning yeah. <laughs> one thing really quick i remember um
2: right before i walked out for one of my amateur fights this is when i was still in the phase of questioning whether or not this is something i wanted to do full-time I actually asked solo like you you know what i'm about to say too you remember when i asked you like why is it that i do this dude like my family doesn't want me to do it like nobody wants me to do this and then you looked at me and just Straight, right before I walked out, he went like, it's a calling, dude, and it's not meant for everybody. I'm like, you're fucking right. Let's go do
1: this. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I do that remember. was when you cornered me in that, uh, in that in my third fight, right? No, I, I wasn't there your third fight. I wasn't there your first three fights. When I, when I fought, but I saw all your three, first yeah. three fights, though.
2: I think you cornered me in this one, though. I know for certain you did corner me in it. Or at least you were there, because there's no way I could have asked you if that was the case. I think, was, I think
1: you were right before you were walking out. I don't know. Yeah. Think, but yeah, I do remember saying that. Though. And I
2: appreciate that, dog, bro. Like, that carried me through a lot of my other fights, when sometimes I would question myself. Like, mm-hmm. when, um, when I fought that dude that we both fought, Tyler Watkins. Yeah. Like, he, won, he was getting ready to win that fight. And out of, this guy, he fought, like, five or six Dragon House guys mm-hmm. before he fought me. And Solo, literally, I watched the fight. He was beating him the whole fight, but then he got caught in a triangle like the last 8 or 12 seconds, right?
1: Something he was idea. beating
2: the brakes off this man. And then all the other guys I'm talking to in the gym, they're going like, dude, watch out for this guy. He's a killer. Woo, woo, woo. Like, you don't want to stand with him. You don't want to take him to the ground. So fuck, what the fuck am I going to do with him? <laughs> so then he, I walk up to Solo and I go like, dude, what, what should I do in terms of like preparation? He went like, dude, you got this. Like, I train with you. I know what it takes, especially to fight this guy. You got this. Like, if anybody got it, you do. And then I fought that guy for a title. He was the boogeyman out in Humboldt. Nobody wanted to fight him. Yeah. And I beat him. I beat him decisively, too. There wasn't a single. He landed one head kick that whole fight out of three rounds. And he landed the one head kick and tried to rush the finish with the ground and pound. I pushed off the cage and armbarred him. Dope. And then ever since then, the whole world of jiu-jitsu has been beautiful to me. It's right. been very gracious
0: as well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, working with your hands, David, you know, uh, or construction workers, handyman. I mean, dude, they like to fucking bump chest a little bit at the job site, you know? No, they do, but, <laughs> like, they... It's just a bunch of old heads. They try
1: to, like, puff out their chats, but someone just like, calm down. Like, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Let's not be doing
0: all that shit. They be trying to squeeze your hands. Every time I meet one of those motherfuckers, they try to squish. My hand's sore because <laughs> striking and shit, you know? Yeah. They be trying to smush. I mean, they don't try. They smush my hand. And I think to myself, like, do we really need to throw down right now? <laughs> like the, right. It's the first time we met, man. Like, we got to really see who, like, who's the bigger man in this motherfucker, but... I have trouble balancing it at times. At times I want to be violent when it's not appropriate. What's
2: <laughs> well, it's like having the balance, right? Like for me, like I'm a public safety officer. My, my certifications and everything are still valid. So I got in my back pocket, worst comes to worst, I can arrest somebody. So, But like personally, I try not to put myself in circumstances to where I have to do that because it's like I know what I'm fully capable of. And if I take one wrong step, everything that I've been doing that's been dream affirmative of everything that I want to accomplish, it'll be gone over nothing. Yeah. Over literally nothing. Like, some dude that wants to puff out his chest at me.
0: You got a nice brain up in that noggin of yours. I don't know who put that thing in there, you know what I'm saying? Dude. They chiseled that thing, they chiseled that brain, bro. They're like, all right, this motherfucker, this noodle's gonna be a nice noodle, bro. This hey, <laughs> it's,
2: it's been through a lot.
0: That's what it is. Like, huh? I,
2: like even though I'm a younger person, like, Dude, I've been through so much to where, like, especially after my mother passed, like, that changed me. Like, I'm not the same person. Like, we couldn't have a conversation if you met me two years ago. I was a selfish, arrogant, 20-something-year-old kid, 19 years old. I didn't know shit, but I thought I knew everything. Mm -hmm. But then when you sit there and something's being, not necessarily taken away from you, and you can't, but it's like diminishing in front of you. Like, I saw my mother die over a -a two-and-a-half-week span. And I prayed, I did everything I could that I thought would bring her back. I used to massage her hands and feet while she's on her deathbed. And I'm hoping that that'll help with something. But then she, I just get the call one day, like, she's gone. Like, that'll change you. Yeah. yeah like, that's, that's somebody who loved me no matter of anything. She always loved me.
0: Is, does, does it motivate you to to, to to be a better man? And
2: yeah, actually, before um, before I um, before she passed, one of the last things she did is um, she watched two of my fights. She watched one that I won, and she looked so happy, and she was <laughs> like, "Oh my God, she looked so happy." And this is like before she became non-responsive. And then I showed her a fight that I lost, and then she just looked at me and just went like, "Just keep going, just keep doing it." Nice. Like you look happy. And then one thing she told me, she went, like, you're really handsome. And then I just went, like, why did you tell me that? And then she just went, like. And then that was the last thing she
0: ever said to me. You are very handsome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and your mom and dad came together, and they fucking, they, made, they made a little masterpiece. It's, it's always crazy how. Uh, Thanks, man. I'm pretty sure my girlfriend thinks I am, too. Yes. <laughs> and that helps, dude, being marketable. You know, if you're not ugly, that does, that does help, you know.
2: Oh, man, I'm humble with it, man. Yeah. You know, I'm not the best-looking guy, but <laughs> I know on a scale of one to ten, and you can't pick seven. I'm probably an eight. Yeah, I keep myself in shape, and that alone for a guy will just have you. And
0: you know, it helps when you smile too. People like to see your smile. You know, you have a nice smile and shit. It's it's very important, dude, because that kind of energy is contagious. And then and then it's like you're the kind of person that other people want to be around. Mm-hmm. And then you can also you can you can influence more people. You know, that way, if you're trying to trying to help more people. Um, uh, the energy is contagious who do who do you want to um well you know what so we have your jujitsu match but i'm thinking that maybe we shouldn't even play it if you're going to be doing the jujitsu jitsu tournament like, it'll be a
2: surprise i
0: kind of feel like because i mean it's in two weeks and we might as well just like, i think we should just hold off on that yeah and then we'll i'll bring you back we'll bring you back after the tournament and then okay. we'll we'll review your matches um from our from our tournament dude but uh but let me ask you first man who do you who do you want to thank um for getting you here, not only in martial arts, but just, you know, the man you are today, man. Who, who do you want to be? My manage? mom, my
2: dad, my mother, my mother, my mother, and then my father, my siblings, all my family, they motivate me. And honestly, my coach, yeah. like straight up, like you think I was just living at the gym just because I decided to live there. That man let me live there rent free for a certain amount of time. And honestly, I wouldn't have been able to go as far as I have in this game without him that's why anybody who like who says something about him like dude i take that real personal Mm because it's like dude you have no idea what this dude has done for me i was a 19 year old kid almost about 20 years old i was a kid and this man let me stay at a gym and i was homeless and made me promise him that i would never be homeless again and just pick myself up and he helped me do that and the only thing that he asked me to do was clean the gym and change the trash. And he, like literally one of the most profound things he's ever done for me. I remember underneath the cage, it's just cement, straight up cold concrete. And I would lay there and I told him for like, I didn't tell him at first because I didn't, I didn't want to impede on him. But then like four or five months in sleeping there, I went like, man, my back hurts seafood. Cause like underneath the cage, like it's just hard. It's hard cement and it's cold. Mm-hmm. So then I come back like a week later well, I was still living there, but one day I came back, and he had bought a new zebra mat, and then he put it inside of the, um, he replaced the old one with the new one, and then he cut up the new one, and then put it underneath the cage so that there was a soft thing for me to lay on. Nice. And when he did that for me, I'm like, this is like, hands down, one of the nicest things anyone's ever done for me, because he could have just threw out that mat or sold it. Yeah. And it's a high-quality mat. Even if it's used, he could still sell it for, like, 60 to $100. Oh, yeah.
0: bucks. We, we had to buy our, 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 in our area. We bought these used, and they're expensive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like,
2: he could have repurposed that and actually made some money, but he literally used it on a kid that wasn't paying him anything to make it more comfortable for me to live
0: there. He saw a future in you, man, and we all I don't do. know.
2: I asked him till this day, what did you see in me, man? Because <laughs> I still don't see it. And... <laughs> He just went like, "Juma, like, it's just something about you, man." Like he told me, especially after my last fight, he went like, "You have a lot of things that not a lot of people have. You have this grit and this championship mindset about you. Like what you did to that guy, D1- level wrestler, and you put your hands down and you were trying to legitimately knock him out and you're screaming and yelling at him because you want to win so bad?" Like went like, that's when I knew that you can go somewhere and you can be a world-class fighter. Like you have that. And now that I've seen it, I always thought it, but now I saw it. We can do something with that. And man, I believe in the process, dude. He built me from the ground up. I had no jujitsu, very minimal striking, no wrestling at all. And now I'm, I'm, I'm somebody people want to avoid in Florida.
0: Yeah. And
2: hopefully I want to be that guy in California too. <laughs>
0: No hell yeah and you will be bro you will be uh, sure your 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 physique your physique from when i first met you has drastically changed you know i think it was on uh, you know in the middle of that journey that you were on mm-hmm. but um yeah you look you look 100% different from when i from when i first yeah, met you yeah i remember dude fucking one of your
2: fights was like one of the first mma fights i ever saw it was dragon house 27 right i,
0: I can't remember what one it was but I, i've been on the show 3 times i think you worked all 3 events that i was on Dude, I worked all those events.
2: Like, the first Dragon House I think I ever worked on was 25 or 26, and ever since then, dude, like, I just would always
0: help set up and watch it. But I remember you walking out. Didn't you walk out to Tupac or something? I do. I, I've, <laughs> I've had a couple different songs I've walked out to, but I had a buddy. I have a song that my buddy made that I've been walking out to most recently. Shout uh-huh. out Chase Mason and uh, uh, Fury Figueroa. Um, I've been walking out to that, that slap. I like that one. It slaps, you know? Um, but, but, uh, but my buddy just came out with an album too so I might try to switch it up and uh, my buddy Josh Coleman he he was on the podcast a few weeks ago his episode is is out there somewhere you guys can check that one out but um he has a new album that has like a couple slaps on it and he's a fighter too so he made like some fighter oriented music okay. um I can't remember what it's it's like a uh, uh, I can't remember exactly, but the song is lit. He's just talking about knocking dudes fuck out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I want to walk guy. out. I want to walk out to that shit because it's one of my homies too. So I kind of, you know, it resonates with me. I'm like, okay, yeah, we have been been through the fire together. Yeah. And um, and David, you know, who do you want to thank? And any closing statements from you, man, that helped you get here?
1: Uh, same thing. Like I want to shout out to my dad. Shout out to my mom. At first they weren't supportive, but ever since I won those first three fights, they've. They've been helping me out a lot. I'm like, hold up. Maybe this boy can put us in a match. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe we should support him just in case. You know what? We love you. Come here. Also want to sp- Yeah. <laughs> much. They-, they saw something. Right. Um, I also want to shout out my sisters, especially my sister Sarah. She's always been my rock during this whole MMA journey. My little brother made a promise to him. Like, I'm still keeping the promise. Like, want to put our name on the map one day. Like, not only, the- not only my family name, but also the gym's name. Put it on the map you know, be one of the best barrier fighters ever, period. Um point blank end of story. <laughs> yep. Also wanna shout out again, shout out to Sifu, always helping me out, always giving me words of wisdom, always give always a hundred percent just trying to make me better and always getting me fights and everything. Shoot I remember the first China trip, he actually paid for it, but I I paid him back, but like that was like literally like one of the night I was just like it was a lot of money. I was just like holy holy shit, right on Sifu, but that was like probably like the nicest thing he was just like just pay me back whenever he was always giving me shit for it. he's like ah. yeah
0: <laughs> how dude so what how How are those uh those trips So see if you puts those uh those trips together tell me a little bit about those
1: dude they're just they're crazy it's just pro, it's project x basically <laughs>
0: <laughs> i want to go so bad now i already wanted to go but listen to you guys talk about it we're talking a little bit off off camera and it sounded like so much fun. Dude. Yeah, dude.
2: <laughs> they're, they're fun. They're, they're, we have a saying when it comes to certain things that happen there. What happens on the China trip stays in the China <laughs> <Yeah>. trip. <laughs> it's like some stuff we can't talk about. Like, dude, like if nobody knows who our Sifu is, he doesn't brag about it. He's literally Chinese Kung Fu royalty. He comes from a lineage of Bak Mei, just legendary level Kung Fu. Like, his dad is comparable to, like, a government official there. And you wouldn't know that walking into Dragon House. Like, he doesn't have that kind of energy about him because, like, he also did grow up poor. But he has this energy about him that it's super open and inviting. But, like, you go back to China now? Man, we have a paparazzi following us everywhere, dude. We stop. We walk somewhere. People are following us. And not just because we're foreigners, because... Sifu is just being him and everybody knows who he is like his dad he has a full size picture on like the side of a 30 to 40 story building of him doing a hand form for huh. and then there's a restaurant that literally he licenses his name out to just so that they could have his picture on the menu and it's one of the most expensive restaurants in Fushan. like People don't understand who he is and where he comes from, but in the same breath, like, you respect that man because it's just, like, you just know that he's a respectable person.
0: Well, I mean, on top of that, he's the king of MMA in in the Bay Area.
2: Yeah, he's the godfather of MMA. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, at Bay Area Combat, we say we're the best MMA in the Bay, but we're an amateur show, you know. He's, He's a pro show. Um, I mean pro-am too he, uh, but he'll do that that URCC that was all pro I'm pretty sure there was, was there amateur pro on? and amateur no, oh was that AM. pro-am yeah. too yeah, was I, was,
2: AM. I was the first match I was the first opening match for an MMA fight that that show that that Cal Palace has had in over I believe 12 or 15 years I was the first fight
0: oh so you fought on that yeah
2: and I fought Christopher Fernandez the current Barrier Combat champ or oh. no SF Combat SF, SF Combat yeah. he's the current champion mm-hmm. and I beat him decisively for a whole three rounds Nice. No matter how he feels about it, he did not win that fight. Yeah. I ground and pounded him, almost choked him out a few times. And back then, my striking wasn't as good. So if he ever wanted to run that back, huh. I mean, <laughs> bro, put your belt on the line. Like, bro, you lost to me and you fought for a belt. Yeah. Like, I, he lost to me and then he fought some tomato can dumpster guy who was one in six.
0: Oh, for, for, a for a belt. For a belt on SF for Combat? For a belt, yes. on, on SF Combat? Yes. We don't want to talk down on SF Combat. Oh, it's all good. But... He didn't fight me for it. There's been some, you know, the matches have been. I think barbarian Bar- Bar- combat. We're trying to uh, match the shows a little, a little better, you know, fair, more fair, and uh, less mismatches. I, I, um, I cornered a guy at the SF combat show. They asked me to corner him because he had no corner. They, I think they, like, I don't know if they paid for him to come in there, but uh, they had, they, they asked me corner him. And then my, my girlfriend's black. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love her, and I'm not racist. And this guy was a white guy, and I guess he was a fucking racist. And so, bro, it was so crazy, dog. Like this is a weird story, dude. But uh, so we start walking out and, and this his song, his walkout song is I'm a wood. I'm a wood. What? I'm a wood. And I just was just like, what? <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> my girlfriend was in the stands. We had gone together. And then they are like, we mm. cornered this guy. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll corner him. Uh, and uh, God, I'll never do that. I had, to, I had a Smash Fighter shirt on. I had to put my shirt inside out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I think I remember I, that. I think oh, I heard that. about that. I think I heard about oh that.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I, I think I was there for that joke. Which
0: Bay Area? Was it Bay Area It, it was in but no, it was SF Combat. SF Combat, number one, right? Yeah, it was number one. My
2: boy... <laughs> my boy had fought um my boy Caesar he's also trying to turn pro soon mm-hmm. Caesar Hernandez he fought um Terrence Siturn. Yes,
0: yeah, uh, Terrence Saturn.
2: Yes, yeah, Terrence Saturn. Mm-hmm. He fought him on that show. And I remember you walking out, but I remember you going in the back and you turned your shirt inside <laughs> out. It was right next by the door, right? Like yeah. right where the ambulance was. I swear yeah. to God, bro, well, uh, I saw you turn your shirt oh, inside yeah. out and then put it on.
0: Bro. I wish I could have put a mask on. If there was if there was mask bag, dude, I would have put COVID a fucking. Yeah, if there's COVID <laughs> protocol, I would have put a full bag over my head. <laughs> and
2: you walking
1: out with him dude, and you have a beard and stuff. that is uh, not helping your cause, bro. Dog, oh, my God.
0: Was, that look, uh, I was so fucking... I was so embarrassed, dude. I had to apologize to my girlfriend and shit. I was like, maybe I did not. <laughs> I, did I didn't, not even expect, you didn't that. Even expect
1: that at
0: all, yeah. No, dude, I, mean, I knew he was going to suck. I didn't know he was going to be a fucking racist ass <laughs> motherfucker. And still and suck. And suck, you know? I was uh. so embarrassed. And then he went and got choked in like three seconds. Oh, uh, my It was so embarrassing all the way around. We tried to, we tried to avoid that here at at Bay Area Combat. You know, that's... Uh, our show's going to be in Santa Cruz, so we're going to do our show in Santa Cruz. It's not, we're not going to be in Napa like we were previously. We're going to be in Santa Cruz. Um, awesome. I think I asked you guys earlier, but do you guys have any sponsors you want to shout out? or any? Uh, David, do you have any sponsors you're working with? Any, CBD, I, any I, CBD sponsors?
1: No, I'm trying to work on it, though. Shoot. But yeah. the only sponsor I have is myself, basically. i yeah, that's about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, <laughs> fuck me too, bro. I don't have shit really going on. Chevy Militia helps me out with some clothing. Bay Area Combat, they help me out. They did, they really do. Thank you, Bay Area Combat. I hope they would. And, you know, that was nice of them. But, uh, dude, those decals on your shirt are sick. Who made those? Who made that um, logo?
2: So that's my newest sponsor, Team Reaper. And I ended up finding out about them in Florida, and the promoter hooked me up because, like, he went like, "Dude, you're hella marketable." Like the only person that I've ever seen in MMA that talks to people while he's trying to kill them is Kevin Holland. And you do that. And it isn't like you're just talking. I've seen guys talk, but they never back it up. You will literally fight somebody and talk to them the whole time. And then I just went like, dude, like that's just honestly how I am. I'm not trying to be something that I'm not. Like I just, I feel like I have to tell them what's on my mind, especially while I'm in there. Like why am I just going to be silent if that isn't how I am? Like, if I punch you and then I go, like, hey, man, that looked like that hurt. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm being honest with you. Like, that did look like it hurt. But the promoter, he ended up hitting me up, and then he gave me the contact info for my newest sponsor, Team Reaper. And they are amazing. I am also looking for more sponsors, but right now they are holding it down. Like, the stuff that they have, they have hoodies, they have tank tops, they have walkout shirts, they have everything. And they're also trying to make me beanies, hoodie – or no, beanies, hats – um even fight trunks that i'm able to sell to people maybe even sweats so like as far as i can take this i'm gonna take it but i'm also looking for more sponsors always
0: fuck yeah that's dope i I'm hope you're very hope you,
2: marketable and i get it done no hell yeah you I'll do sponsor the hell the out fights of here, are bro.
0: dope we um i hope some people will pick you guys up you know hopefully after the jujitsu tournament um Someone might, you know, you'll, you'll get an extra couple sponsors, you know, at least like a little gear sponsor. It's hard, though, dude. It's hard to get, it's, it's hard to get sponsors. Dude,
2: Team Reaper is taking care of me right now in terms of gear, dude. Like, oh, I, are they? I can't get a better deal than that. Dope. Yeah, like, it's sick. that dope. So, like, the only other sponsors I'm interested in are people who are willing to endorse me like enough mon- to pay Like monetary, me yeah. To pay me for training. Like, help me make this full time so I can promote the hell out of your brand. And it will work.
0: I want a fucking i want a coconut water sponsor so so bad. I want one so bad i literally i've gone on I made like a little application and I sent it to like every coconut every different coconut water i mean there's coconut waters that I like more than others, but I don't want to discriminate unless one of those other ones want to sponsor me. you know what I'm saying
1: <laughs> might as well shoot
0: yeah there's a there's it's it's um i think it's like hemp water or cbd water you know mm-hmm. that's cuz yeah, you know, yeah, 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 water's so important for i drink so much water and if i could get like a couple little extra beneficial nutrients in the water but you got to pay for those nutrients those, yeah. lo- those nutrients aren't free. I mean, maybe fluoride. If you get some fortified water like in the States, they throw some fluoride in there to keep our teeth a little more healthy. <laughs> but um, the fluoride doesn't help with cramps, you know. And no, I be, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, be, yeah. I be cramping and vicious. So if, uh, if any coconut water companies want to sponsor me, please reach out, dude. I'd love that. Um may 30th our jiu-jitsu tournament it's going to be dope uh you can see it at bayareacombat.com we're going to record it also so there'll be a we'll, we'll we'll have that event for for you to watch afterwards as well and, and awesome and, and to have um we're going to miami the triumphant, triumphant 11th my bad triumphant 11th june 12th in miami we're going to be out there that i'm going to the tbas in iowa smash has like nine people competing so We're going to be trying to fucking take home a bunch of gold belts out there in Iowa. Uh, Carl Compton on the ones and twos. Carl, we appreciate you. Deborah Ferolito, owner, Suncoast Awning, Bay Area Combat. Thank you. You guys guys are awesome. Uh, You
2: guys supplied us with mine and solo's only known weakness. Like if we were back in the day of old school UFC and we're walking out and it says only known weaknesses. Barbecue
0: would be on, there. <laughs> <laughs> and the, dude, the barbecue was dope. Dude, Deborah oh, usually man. cooks. Uh, uh, I think it was kenters today, but God, gosh darn, man, she just knows how to pick good food. Yeah, she does. Yeah, I feel great, man. I think I'm gonna be good for uh, for 215 for these next couple fights. I think 185 is a, is a thing of the past. Dude. You're probably gonna catch the itis like a few <laughs> hours from now and pass out. I'm sure I am. Hopefully, it's not on the drive home you know, yeah. <laughs> on Highway 17, like uh, you know but it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Uh, The Suncoast Awning Studio. Suncoast Awning, our big sponsor here at Bay Area Combat. We love you, Suncoast Awning. We're in the studio. If you guys want to inquire about renting the Suncoast Awning Studio, we also have the competition area. It comes with our sound man extraordinaire. Um, You guys can do that. So reach out to us on that. Um, Look look out for that Jujitsu show. Uh, look out for this triumphant card coming up, and then hopefully we get our MMA going again soon, guys. It's been a long layoff. COVID's mm-hmm. been rough for us, but, uh, but keep an eye out for Bay Area Combat MMA and Muay Thai Kickboxing, where it's going to be a hybrid show. We're doing it in Santa Cruz. Keep an eye out for that, guys, from everyone here at the Bay Area Combat Podcast fam. And, uh, and dude, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Much. Thank, thank you, DC. You thank you, guys, baby. We over and out, baby. Thank you, guys. Ooh, ooh, we out. Hell yeah. <laughs>